Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of Udacity's Learning Lab podcast. My name is Kelly Johnson. I'm the Director of Content and SEO at Udacity. Joining me today is Dennis Schultz, the Executive Director of the Blacks and Technology Foundation. And Dennis and I are going to talk about something that's top of mind for many corporations and global communities, which is increasing diversity, specifically in tech. And the Blacks and Technology Foundation is working to create opportunities for underrepresented individuals and communities to not only get jobs in tech, but to thrive in the industry. So Dennis, thank you for joining us today and welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. Go VT, <laughs> go Virginia <laughs> Tech. So let's start with a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you became the executive director of the Blacks and Technology Foundation. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you the abridged version because my background is wide and varied. And though <laughs> I seem uh, youthful, I am an old man. I've uh, been doing the IT thing for uh, over 25 years now. Um, and um, I started um, primarily working with IT manufacturers. So mm -hmm. um, I've been uh, with APC, which is the first job I had out of college. And we were doing battery backups, UPSs for data centers, uh, migrated to software, worked with Seagate software and Veritas software. And I won't give you the, you know, every place I've stopped, but I've worked for some big brands, um, uh -huh. Dell, Lenovo, Samsung, um, Dropbox, Gardner. Wow. <laughs> uh, Rackspace, I'm currently at HPE. Um, the executive director role that I currently hold within Blacks and Technology is um, really one that was born out of volunteerism. You know, I attended a conference in 2018 and I was struck by, you know, how many Black folks in tech there were because, um, you know, quite frankly, I didn't see that many, you know, Black techies in my daily dealings, you know, working nine to five. So mm -hmm. I wanted to give back to New York and join a chapter. And I asked the founder, Greg, I said, hey, you know, how do I join a New York City chapter? He said, there is not one. That <laughs> <laughs> if you want, uh, you, can, um, you can run it. And I was oh, like, wow. um, okay, uh, that's not really what I was asking for, <laughs> but um, all right, let's, let's do it. Uh, so I kind of, um, you know, backpaced my way into um, that role. Now New York has, um, I think, over 1,300 members wow. in the New York City chapter alone. Okay. And, um, you know, as we've decided um, to expand and grow, uh, we realized that we needed some top-down leadership. And Greg, you know, was gracious enough to tap me as the executive director. Uh, and I've had this role since um, uh, late summer of um, 2020. That's amazing. So it sounds like you were voluntold for the position rather than volunteered for the position. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. It, you know, it was it was mutual interest. I mean, obviously, you know, I wouldn't have accepted if I didn't have a passion for it and didn't think I could, you know, um, be effective. But it definitely right. wasn't something I was, you know, actively seeking. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Now I hear you. So it sounds like you've had this long storied career in tech. Uh, when was the first moment when you realized that underrepresentation was an issue and needed to be addressed? Was it when you entered the Blacks and Technology Foundation or was it something that you'd always kind of spotted in your career? Oh, yeah. Very, very early on. So um, uh, APC is um, headquartered in Rhode Island. And mm. Rhode Island isn't a very diverse state as it is. But then when you kind of, you know, 
pylon, you know, um, the tech industry, uh, you know, it kind of shrinks <laughs> uh, the networking a little bit more. So yeah. I noticed in my organization, um, you know, there was there was diversity in gender, uh, but not in ethnicity. Um, mm, so mm-hmm. I was typically the only person on my teams. Um, you know, there were no black executives. Um, there was no black leadership. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not to fault APC because APC was a great company and still still is doing um, uh, great things under, um, you know, with, with uh, Schneider Electric. But um, there just wasn't diversity. And then when I got into field sales, which was ultimately where um, that role led me, mm-hmm. There wasn't much diversity, even in New York City, uh, which yeah. I was expecting, you know, because I was like, okay, New York, the melting pot, you know, I'm going to be, you know, <laughs> surrounded by people of different ethnicities and it's going to just, you know, bleed diversity, but that wasn't necessarily the case. So, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, great that you recognize that. And it's surprising, right? I can see why you would be surprised. I had the same experience when I moved to San Francisco and started working in tech. I thought, it would be a lot of people, a lot of diverse backgrounds, but I started, I started to quickly realize that I was one of only or one of a few in certain tech roles. So it yeah. was drawing, but you know, definitely room to grow in terms of increasing representation in tech. So um, what's been speaking either you know, professionally with your current role or as the ED at the Blacks and Technology Foundation, what's been the biggest challenge to increasing diversity in the tech industry? Mm, that's that that is a tough question I, and, and I don't know if if I have the right answer to this um you know just, just one man's opinion right uh, but yeah. uh, what I will tell you is that there's definitely um a common denominator um that mm-hmm. I see and I talk to a lot of organizations and most of them have good intentions and want right. to increase diversity know that there's a problem but just haven't figured out how to accomplish the goal of increased diversity within the organization. So I think there's a lack of accountability in a lot of respects because, you know, quite frankly, if it's not broke, you know, why are you trying to fix it with respect to the business operations? You know, companies are making money, you know, things are flowing, projects are getting completed, you know. Mm -hmm. Right, why change anything? Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's an extra thing to do. Right. Um, is in, yeah. in most cases. And if you're not intentional or if you don't have top down leadership that's driving it, then you kind of default back to, you know, what's worked in the past. And yeah, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge to diversity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I could see why if like if, it, if it's not broke, don't fix it methodology or line of thinking seeping into corporations. Mm-hmm. But I think now that especially in light of the Black Lives Matter movement and the events of 2020 and just fervor and conversation around social unrest, they can't afford to not pay attention to it. So um, leading into my next question, which is how does the Blacks and Technology Foundation help increase diversity today? Yeah, so that's a good one. I, I, I do have an answer for that one. <laughs> so <laughs> um, the way that we're looking at it is um, um, there, there's two there's two ways to uh, tackle the problem. I mean, obviously there's... Um, uh, a lack of people entering into the tech space, you know, from diverse backgrounds. So we see the pipeline of, you know, black employees, you know, just coming in and choosing tech as an industry um, mm-hmm. is the first challenge. So we provide programs and resources to on-ramp and onboard 
and um, get those folks who may be either unemployed or underemployed to mm -hmm. look at tech as a way to find a family sustainable wage, right? right? Um, you know, by doing something that they might not have considered in the past. You know, mm -hmm. everybody thinks that you have to be a computer whiz or a math genius to, you know, right. make a living in tech or to earn a lot of money. That's totally not the case. Um, right. You know, I'm yeah. living proof. Uh, I'm not a <laughs> technical, technical person. I'm technical enough. Um, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, there's definitely roles out there that require, you know, no four year degree. Uh, and we, you know, want to exploit that. And then also um, roles that don't require you to be super technical, you know, like right. um, project management or um, sales, you know, so right. those right. are some of the things that we want to, you know, obviously um, evangelize and promote. Um, additionally, there are some folks who are already in tech, you know, they, right. you know, made it and they're in. Uh, and yeah. we want to help those folks move up into, you know, senior management, executive management, and ultimately board seats. So, we have programs specifically geared towards those folks. And um, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. community that we've developed, you know, is really strong with respect to um, mentorship and uh, networking and creating a sense of camaraderie within um, our tech space. So uh, yeah, that's kind of how we're tackling yeah. the issue. That's awesome. And I'm a proud member of the Blacks and Technology Foundation. So I'm uh, looking forward to taking some of those courses, classes, opportunities to move up in my career. So I'll be uh, letting you know how that goes, hopefully sooner rather than later. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wanted to uh, piggyback off of the pipeline statement that you made. Because um, when, when we talk about diversity or increasing representation in tech, oftentimes, sometimes the senior leadership team at various companies might fall back on the, it's a pipeline problem statement. So what's your answer to people that say, there's a lack of representation diversity in diversity in tech because there's just not enough people that can take on those roles. There's a pipeline issue. Yeah, and and to me, um, you know, that is a, a cop out answer in a lot mm -hmm. of ways because there's so many. There's more than three million open roles right now in tech. Yeah. Right. Right. And there's not enough you know, H-1B visas, there's not enough computer science degrees um, to fill those roles, you know, mm -hmm. globally. So, mm -hmm. um, yes, there's a challenge to find any talent. <laughs> you right. Know, if you have a software engineer, um, you know, rec open, if you're a company, um, you're going to struggle to find that person to fill that role. So yep. um, I think by saying that there's a pipeline problem is, like I said, it's, it's a little bit of a cop-out. What we want to try to do is say, okay, well, if that's the problem and you believe or perceive that there's a pipeline issue, then why don't you widen your lens and um, look at some folks that have non-traditional backgrounds? Right. right. So, um, you know, the four-year college degree requirement is one of those things that, you know, anytime I'll get in front of a microphone or a platform like this, I always say, if you still have that as a requirement and you're hiring for IT in an organization, you need to, you know, seriously reconsider what your policy is and why it exists. Um, because yeah. there are some really strong and capable folks out there who, you know, with some, you know, additional training, my, my, most mm -hmm. of them uh, may require some, you know, additional massaging, but they have a certification or two and could do practitioner level work in your organization right. to get, 
the end result, which is a functioning person, you know, contributing to a business goal. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, that's, that's what we want to ultimately get to. And if that's the goal, then, you know, there's a lot of folks that could fill that role. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I love the part you said about looking at non-traditional backgrounds. And I think that's a, a great point. And, you know, looking to underrepresented groups to help fill those skills gaps, right? Because they're there, they have the back, they have the ambition, they're hungry. Let's make sure that we have a great fit between what corporations need and what underrepresented groups have to offer. So totally fall in line with that. Um, in that same vein, tell me a little bit uh, about the Udacity and Blacks in Technology Scholarship Program and what you hope graduates will gain from this experience. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are super excited about partnering with Udacity because it does um, it does two things, right? It gives those people who are, you know, kind of on the outskirts trying to figure out, okay, I am working two jobs. I'm, you know, trying to, you know, navigate my day-to-day, -day, just pay the bills and put food on the table. Right. But I know this is unsustainable. I know I can mm. do more. I know I want to do more. Um, Udacity is a program that doesn't require you to take 12 weeks and do a full-time boot camp. You can actually learn um, after work or on the weekends when you have time uh, and complete your nano degree, receive those practitioner level skills that I, that I mentioned, and you know hopefully uh, get the visibility of companies who will want to hire you and actually move you from you know that low paying you know, mm -hmm. manual labor job into, you know, what I call um, a white collar or, you know, a gray collar job if it's single <laughs> level, you know, to yeah. get you out of that perpetual, you know, just, you know, going through the motions of paying the bills and into a really um, fundamentally um, life-changing, sustainable IT career. Yeah, totally agree. And what I love about these programs and these scholarships are, like you said, getting those practitioner level skills that get you ready for your job day one of your new job. So looking forward to seeing the graduates and seeing them make an impact in the tech community. So um, thanks for giving us that overview. So um, wanted to go back to diversity in the workforce, diversity in tech, increasing diversity has been top of mind for many organizations since the rise and support for the Black Lives Matter movement. How can we keep increasing diversity top of mind for these organizations today and in the future? Because it's it was, Top of mind 2020, it's top of mind now. How, how do we make sure it stays there? Yeah, and, and uh, I've had this conversation with a number of um, Black tech organizations and, and leaders, and um, I think it's just going to be, I, I hate to say, uh, you know, we have to shame them into doing what they said they were going to do, but basically <laughs> we need to keep accountability, um, yes. right? Yeah. So um, there were a number of companies who've pledged, you know, to, you know, funds or resources in the wake of um, the murder of George Floyd. And, mm -hmm. you know, to date, you know, it's, I think the statistic I saw was 0.005% of the money pledged was actually allocated, you know, oh, and we're God. running up on <laughs> a year from when this, so, and, and, yeah. and there's, you know, I don't think there's malice. I right. think there's there's just apathy and you know maybe analysis paralysis. People are trying yeah. to determine exactly where to put money, how much mm -hmm. money to put, who's going to be good stewards of said money. I love to have those conversations with um, executives who have budget but just aren't sure. 
Right. Because this is a program, our scholarship program is something that they can put money into and actually see the benefit of um, that scholarship in something that they can benefit from ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's no a double edge. It's, it's um, <laughs> a corporate responsibility, you know, giving, you know, philanthropy initiative. And also it's a practical recruiting and talent acquisition play because, yeah. um, you know, in most cases they can get right of first refusal on the folks that they put through the nano degree program. So right, um, right, they need right. to hire and yeah. they're looking for diversity you know, hey, this is a great way to kill two birds with one stone. Exactly. Totally agree. Um, along the same lines, talking about careers of the future, um, tech specifically, like jobs are changing so fast, skills are changing so fast. Which skills or jobs should people focus on to thrive in this industry? Oh, yeah, this is another one I get asked a lot. Um, <laughs> where do I go? Uh, you know, and I always tell people it really depends on um, what you're, um, what you're good at, you know, mm-hmm. and there's some tools and we're working on a tool to do some, you know, personality assessments, some skills assessments, um, to, you know, help people figure out, okay, what are my core skills and, you know, inherently, what am I good at? Right. Right. Uh, and then once you kind of figure that out, you know, you may lean more towards, you know, programming or coding, you may, mm-hmm. you know, lean mm-hmm. more towards, um, product management or project management. Um, it may be, you know, um, sales or business development. It could be right. a number of different things, but um, until you kind of figure out what it is you want to do and what it is you may be good at, it's kind of hard for me to say. Right. But I do have an opinion. <laughs> so let me give, <laughs> give you an answer. Okay. Um, uh, with that caveat, I will say that cybersecurity um, mm. roles of any type are right. um, always going to be in demand for, you know, the foreseeable future. So the latest news you, cycle police, like, is a great example of that, right? Yeah. Absolutely. There's definitely um, opportunities, um, you know, for per- public sector, private sector. Cybersecurity is, you know, probably, you know, one of the top of mind for me. Software engineering mm-hmm. is another one. Um, every company uh, needs um uh, engineers to develop applications, to modify applications. Um, and then also, I would say project management. Um, yeah. People need to um, be able to efficiently get, you know, ideas from ideation to um, the customer in a timely fashion, and somebody needs to coordinate and manage that process. So yep. um, those are probably the top three skills that I see. And then anything that's going to be web or mobile and, you know, edge, I can go on. But, right. you know, if I had to limit it, I would say those three. Awesome. I think that's a great list. Makes a lot of sense. And again, our recent news cycle around cybersecurity and hacks really underscores the need for professionals in that field. So I think like it's going to be something that we'll probably need ongoing support for forever, as long as we continue to be this, live in this internet age. So um, last question, parting thoughts for um, scholarship students, um, learners writ large, like what advice would you give someone from an underrepresented group who hasn't found their way into tech yet and wants to break in? Yeah. I would say, well, first join Blackson Technology. Uh, (laughs) It's free to join. uh, And it is um, something that um, uh, provides immediate value for um, our members. So, um, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I said it tongue in cheek, but seriously, um, it's definitely Mm -hmm. a resource for you. Um, But secondly, I would say, you know, understand um, 
you know, what it is you want and work backwards. You know, for mm -hmm. me, I was, uh, I was motivated by money. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I wanted to make a certain <laughs> amount of money and I knew yeah. that there were certain roles that I could do that I felt comfortable with that I could, you know, make that amount of money doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I figured out, okay, what do I need to do to get there? Uh, right. So I kind of worked yeah. backwards from the number. Yeah. Uh, and, and that worked out for me. But if your motivation is a money, maybe it's flexibility, maybe it's freedom. Maybe you want to work from home. Maybe you want to mm -hmm. wear shorts and jeans right. know, to work every day, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, figure out exactly what is that motivation uh, going to be for you yeah. and then figure out a way to get there. There's, there's a role for you in tech in any discipline or specialization. So yep. um, I would say if you want to get in, um, there's a way for you to get in and we'll mm -hmm. provide you with guidance and resources if you're not sure where to start. Yeah, I think that's great. And that's a great point. I think for me, when I was trying to get into tech, it was more or less a function of seeing the magazine industry when I was a journalist kind of wither away in the early aughts and trying to figure out a way to get into a new industry where I could continue to write, flex some journalistic muscle, but in a new, in a new industry, specifically tech. And it was terrifying at first, but you know, like you said, working back for backwards from what you want. And for me, it was something that is future proof, provides some career development, but also some income, right? Because San Francisco is expensive, the Bay Area is expensive, and you want to make a living wage. And you know, the tech industry presented that. So I, I like what you said about working backward from your why and being able to put the first step forward there. So, um, well, we'll stop here. Dennis Schultz, Executive Director of the Blacks Technology Foundation. Thank you for joining us today on the last latest edition of Udacity's Learn Love podcast. We will be back with new episodes soon. So thank you so much for joining and signing off here. <laughs>